Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Molino let that go. Works for Reynoso. He's got a couple different options. Plays for Kevin Molino. Finley's in the middle. Molino might not need him, and he does it. Minnesota takes the lead. Inches away from going down early. It's Kevin Molino who has put Minnesota United in front. And then they would add two more goals, and then they would beat Sporting KC in KC for the first time in like eight games to move on to the Western Conference Finals. So just a quick before we start the show, tip of the cap to uh, to Minnesota United. You can find their next playoff game, and then maybe even MLS Cup if they make it that far on Score North Radio, AM 1500, and scorenorth.com. On today's Mackie and Judd show, we're going to wrap with Ricey to start the show. We're going to wrap the week with Ricey. We got Judd's keys to a Vikings victory and action movie rewind. True lies. But a quick shout-out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated has announced My Shield. If you're a business owner and you're just looking for better protection and you're looking for more peace of mind, MyShield is your personalized online destination for risk management resources for your business. MyShield is available 24-7 and can be accessed from a computer, tablet, smartphone, or the MyShield app. MyShield's customizable dashboard organizes resources specific to your business on training, billing, employee certificates, safety videos, and much more. Find out more at federatedinsurance.com. Click on Meet MyShield. And remember, at Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Hey, Harry, what's 20? Harry. Westbound in the park. Suspect is on a motorcycle and is coming out on Franklin. Copy that. Okay, I want you on 14th in case it turns south. And I want seven on the north side to box him in. Okay, I'll make it quick because my horse is getting tired. Your horse? My horse is getting tired. Tom, couldn't you hear the horse in the background the whole time? True Lies is our action movie review today, which we'll get to on Mackie and Judd. We'll get to Judd's keys to a Vikings victory, but we wrap with Ricey on Friday, as we're going to do at the beginning of our show today. Uh, And Patrick, news came out this morning, according to uh, a couple different outlets, Thad Levine is apparently a finalist for the Phillies president of baseball operations job. I don't know if you saw that, but what are your thoughts? The interviewing and, uh, you know, that he went to Haverford. He's got some Eastern <laughs> connections uh, out there, and uh, that might interest him. I think he uh, I think he has turned down a couple of other jobs, but uh, they're willing to spend money. Andy McPhail is the team president. Uh, I think you have to take your shot. Now you 
also have to know that if you lose, uh, you'll be back on the street in two two years. But you'll probably get a good contract. And uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a Levine fan. I like him a lot, and I think he can exchange quips with the uh, reporters when you get him a little bit loose. Now, if you do something like not call uh, Byron Buxton up in uh, September <laughs> and irritate him, he can give you some triple speak with the best of them. He could uh, he could embarrass Gerson Rosas with his triple speak, but uh, uh, I, I I hope he gets a job. He's a good guy, and uh, you know, Phillies, you, know, you got a shot. Uh, it's a tough division, but you you got a shot there. So aren't they crying poor now, though, Pat? Yeah, well, yeah, they say they lost $150 million. And Everybody, what we don't know is, I'm, I'm sure teams lost money, but when they're saying, when they're saying they lost 150 that's 150 from what they have expected to make, right? I mean, that's that's 150 from their revenues. That's not 150 from their bottom lines that they're losing, you know what I'm saying. Uh, obviously, your expenses weren't nearly as high last year. You didn't have any minor leaguers to support. You only had to pay the players thirty-seven percent. So I, I think when there's when everybody's claiming poor, they they are. I mean, they're certainly not uh, flush like they were a year ago. But again, they're giving you the figure less that's less from their ant- anticipated revenues. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yes. You know, yeah. And so most of them probably thought they were going to make fifty million, and they didn't. So, but the Phillies threw out. The Phillies fired a lot of staff, right? Yes. Like the the support staff in the front office and stuff like that. So I guess you'll have to get that straightened out. But uh, same thing's going on here. I think they're going to try to get from 140 to around 100. So that's, uh, you know, it's, you know, to me, it was interesting the amount of realism we saw from the players, don't you? Uh, That, uh, for instance, Jose Barrios taking 6.1 million. That surprised me. I, I thought he would, uh, you know, I think in a normal year he would have uh, raised holy hell and, uh, and looked for more money than that. But the agent says, uh, you know, take it now because uh, we don't know what's going to be happening here. I th- Did you see, I saw they gave him 500000 up front. So mm-hmm. dude, that, that I don't, if, if the salary ends up being prorated, uh, maybe he gets to keep that 500. I, I, you know, it gets maybe that 500 doesn't count against the proration or something, but it was a, it was some kind of a signing bonus that I don't think has anything to do with his salary this year. So, Hey boys, all, all you need to know about baseball so far this winter is very simple. The biggest transaction in baseball took place last night and it was Len Casper leaving the Cubs broadcast booth for the White Sox. And I'm not joking. That's been the biggest the biggest news is an announcer jumping from the Cubs to the Sox. And was that because the Cubs wanted to get rid of him or did the White Sox want him? I think the, I think the White Sox wanted him, but I also think that this Cubs marquee network that they started, which is their equivalent of the old Victory Sports, I don't know that it's necessarily gotten off the ground as smooth as possible. Okay, I didn't know they were. So they're doing, they're trying to compete with uh, whatever their version of FSN yes. is. And of course, they bailed on WGN quite a while. So, and what am I, what am I supposed to pay a month for marquee sports then? Do we know? Is it part of the cable package? It's or part of the it... cable package, but it wasn't cheap for the, uh, the, 
Operators had to raise their prices because it was not are cheap. They've... It was expensive. Are they fighting? Are the uh, are they fighting? Or they, they did fight. Game? I think the fights are. I think the fights are mostly done now. But the point. But the point is, I mean, when we're talking about baseball, and we're actually talking about an announcer jumping being being the big story, that is the state of baseball now, as far as moves go. Well, this was the White Sox revenge for Harry. All these years later, for when uh, they got rid of Harry and he went over to the Cubs and became the biggest. You know, he was the. He was the Cubs' most important player for 20 years. Yes. For goodness sakes, Harry. So uh, I don't think Len will have the same impact on the uh, – He won't sell bugs, Pat, like Harry did. No, no. As Bud said about our old late great friend Joe McConnell, he couldn't sell a Budweiser to a dying man crawling across the Sahara <laughs> Desert. <laughs> I love that line. When, when the White Sox brought him in to replace Harry – Harry gave me, I've told you that, Harry gave me that quote from a phone plugged into a booth in the pup room, pup room the day he moved to the Cubs. So. Hey, when are, we, when, are, when are those of us uh, YouTube TV migrators going to get Fox Sports North back? Are we going to get it in time for the Timberwolves well, hot start? Well, they sold it to Bally's. Uh, the, the, the regional networks got sold to Bally's, I believe. No, it's a, they, they, they sold the naming rights. The naming rights. But the... Sinclair still owns Sinclair, them. Sinclair owns them, and they're playing hardball. I don't know. I haven't missed them yet. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, me either, but I'd like I, to watch a Wolves game. Yeah. You know? Go for hockey yeah. team on last night. They're 5-0, and oh, you guys. Come on. Is that where they were? Yeah. I don't know. I forget. Once again, with this new schedule, I have no idea when they're playing. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys, 7 p.m. Friday and Saturday, <laughs> if you want to see the go for hockey game. Any other time? I, tonight, seven o'clock, Fox Sports North. Tonight, Gophers, well, Michigan do State. Doesn't do me any good. Doesn't me do me any good. I'm a YouTube guy, but Phil, I, Hulu doesn't have them anymore either. Yeah, Hulu uh, TV and you know, a, a month ago, Hulu had them. So when when they first left uh, YouTube, people were saying they're on Hulu, but that uh, that ended, I guess, at the oh. end of. Uh, November. I, I mostly there. blame Sinclair for this, just based on a million other things I've heard about that company. But yes. for YouTube TV's purposes, I would gladly trade you like 40 of the channels on YouTube Correct. TV that I don't watch for that one channel. I really only need like probably 11 channels. I would say it's 90% of the reason I pay for YouTube TV. For sure, because it's way cheaper and you used to get Fox Sports North. Correct. Yeah. My problem now is, though, the switch again is just too hard to work, man. I've already, you know, to to convince the bride, who was almost another reason she was going to divorce me when I dumped Comcast, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, to get her now where she knows where she's going on YouTube to break it out that, hey, uh, we switched again. I don't know. Is there some kind of a package that a guy can buy, watch on his, t- watch on his computer? Phil would know this, or Declan. Um, I don't not, think I mean, so. Like, not is locally. There an NBA, is there an NBA package? I, a, there's NBA TV, but you're blacked out. Correct. Baseball, too. You're, I think you're blacked out locally on well, MLB. What does that do you mean, then? I mean, now, yeah. Watch the Cubs. Exactly. Could I send them the idea that it's it's at my address in Fort Myers? Yes. Yes, but but it but it'll it would pick up your IP address, I think, in yes. the Twin okay. Cities Correct. when you're okay. when you're here. So, so yeah. uh, you'd, you'd, you know, you'd have a better chance of moving that. to Florida and watching the Twins. Yes, <laughs> we need that. You know what we need? <laughs> we need that old thing that my friend Dark Star used to be, that the 
guy from Canada would send him every six months when they changed the, you know, when satellite was first out there and they changed the, uh, but every six months they changed the, uh, whatever the code you needed to get all the, all the games from all over the world, basically. And the guy from Canada sent Darky this thing and charged like 120 bucks and they'd, You'd put it on the TV and you could get it for free all over the, for about another six months. And then, and then, the, and then they'd adjust, but, uh, that was in the early days of satellite and they were, they had the rip off going pretty good, but they finally figured it out, I guess. So. Yep. Well, maybe there's, maybe there's yeah. a way we can channel. The old uh, satellite dishes were great though. I mean, sports, Playboy channel, it was all a go <laughs> in that order. I might, or not. Drinking, I might have to start go start drinking again and go to the bars or some damn thing. <laughs> Good luck. Say, yeah. And yeah. fellas, I went over and had the COVID test this morning at the convention center because someone I know was in my vicinity and I don't want to get into it, but, uh, you know what? I'd rather have a colonoscopy than sit there and spit into this tube for like an hour. Did you know I took the saliva? Yeah, yeah we, we, we've all done the same. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of spittle. It's uncomfortable. Well, and you can't drink it for it. I'd rather like people like, oh, you, you can avoid the nose swab. You can just spit in a tube. It's like I was there for 45 minutes trying to hock saliva. I'd rather just get the it's nose swab. It's a half swab. hour of no spitting. Yeah, right. Or no it's drinking. Terrible. Let's jam, yeah, jam something up my nose or anywhere, anywhere on my body. It'd be easier. <laughs> no, no, no. No, that's <laughs> not. that bad. Uh, the, I think you've come up with a new business idea, the take-home rectal COVID test. No, <laughs> that's a terrible idea. For those of us who were young who had thermometers shoved <laughs> up there in the early 70s. You know, you can take a guy, put his hand on a tree, and you can figure out his DNA, right? If, if he murdered somebody or not, right? Yeah, you, 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 know, you need that little tray. Why do you need like a quart of spit for this test? Why can't they have like six droplets? Come on. What the hell? Fire Fauci. Oh, well, Fire why why can't I take a big swig of water, swish it around in my mouth, and just <laughs> spit it all back into the thing, I man? Heard, I heard somebody explain. That the guy, I heard the guy say, yeah, you drank anything for a half hour? He said, no. He said, no. So this guy said, yeah, about 20 minutes ago. And he said, we got to wait over there because it might it might have washed out, out the virus out of your mouth. So that's why they – so it takes a while for the virus to reform again. I said, oh, that's good. Okay, fine. Well, if you can just wash it's it out of your mouth, you can just yeah, – I, I don't want to do anything to offend the virus by uh, <laughs> and, and make it go away. So. Uh, I, I hope you're okay. I, I hope no, it's, I'm, you're fine. I have nothing. I have nothing wrong. I just all right. I good. Maybe go give it a shot. I mean, beyond my normal aches and pains, I'm fine. So, sure. Hey, bef- before anyway. we before we uh, wish you a happy weekend, I, I you guys may have talked about this on Royce and Chain, but I haven't gotten your thoughts on the St. Paul Saints becoming the Twins AAA affiliate. What are your thoughts? I think it's good. I think it's good uh, that. You know, I'm. I, I, there's some St. Paul people complaining, but uh, you know, I like the Twins, the Saints' atmosphere, and all that old Saints' atmosphere. I said, okay, so you, you don't want, uh, you don't want as much speed, power, uh, throwing ability, uh, you know, uh, breaking pitches that break and fastballs that zing. You don't want that. You know, you want that atmosphere. Okay, that's good. You know, the, I think the problem is going to be what kind of prices are they going to charge? 
yep. if, you know, one of the, to get in. I mean, once you get in, they, you know, the Saints charge you six, seven bucks for a beer, just like everybody else does. But, uh, I mean, cheaper, but not, but they, I don't think, they better watch what their prices are. So, you know, they don't, they shouldn't all of a sudden just say, okay, we're almost major league, so we're going to charge you 20 bucks for a box seat or 25 or something like that. They, they're going to have to keep their prices down, I would think. And, you know, actually the personnel is cheaper for the team than, you know, the, the major league club pays for the salaries. They have, they had to pay their own salaries. So there's no sense in driving the prices up, but, uh, I think it's great. I think it's, uh, it's just fine. Keep the beer cheap. Uh, that, that's my only thing. No $11 Surleys, okay? I will pay $20 no. for a beer at a baseball game right now, okay? I want to be able to do that. I don't care. Declan, uh, Declan yeah. I, I don't can care. you guys shut up, please? I mean, not long-term, but like... I, I don't want to uh, encourage anything, okay? Let's keep it... No, at, I don't care. Seven fifty. Hey, by the way, Judd, I revealed this on Twitter today. Yeah. Uh, Chad Beebe is married to Mackenzie Saad, or Saad, whatever the guy's name is. Uh, who played at White Hill Murray, and she's a cousin of Brandon. Brandon Sod. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Interesting. No, I didn't know All that right. either. Until he well, he, he's, I don't think he's been inaugurated in the Minnesota hockey yet. He, she said, I said, is, he, is she a cousin to Brandon? She said, I think so. I'm not sure. So you, so you talked to Chad for a column coming up? Yeah, I talked to him. Yeah, I talked to him. You know what? Nobody, nobody gets inside the Vikings more than Patrick Royce. That's what I've always said. Well, uh, Tommy West saw that I was on the Zoom yesterday, and he said, "What are you? what's wrong with you? And I said, I'm desperate. <laughs> I said, I'm desperate for Saturday, so I got Chad on the phone for me. Tom West, man. All right. Well, Pat, enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. See you. All right. That is Patrick Unchained on Monday. Royce. You can find him, yeah, Royce Unchained every Monday. (laughs) And uh, and you can find him on our show three days a week, Mondays, or I should say Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. The legendary Patrick Royce. Now the senior columnist in this town. The senior. Only took him a few years to achieve that. Achieve that, right? Just a few years. Mm -hmm. Football. The jingling of Judd's keys to a Vikings victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Judd's keys, how many did you bring to the table today? Uh, keys brought four. I don't need that many. No, just four. Okay. Just four. Very, very. Kept it simple. Kept it one for each quarter. I, I feel like keeping it simple is what the Vikings should do to beat a 1-10 football team. K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. Yep. There you go. So Judd's keys to a Vikings win All over right. the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right. All right. What do you got for us? <clears throat> Key number four. Apply the pressure. Apply the pressure. All right. So the Dallas game, uh, the Vikings did an insufficient job at, at applying pressure on Andy Dalton throughout the course of that game. It didn't help really to stop uh, Zeke, who rushed. I believe it's the only game in which Zeke this season has rushed for 100 or more yards. But they did bring pressure against Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. And again, going against the Jaguars' third starting quarterback of the 2020 season, Mike Glennon. Jacksonville is tied for eighth in the National Football League, boys, giving up 30 sacks so far to the three quarterbacks that they've played. Um, The Vikings can apply pressure on Glennon, who, by the way, 
against Cleveland last week in the Jaguars' narrow loss to the Browns was 20 of 35 for 235 yards and two touchdowns. In his first start since, get this, the 2017 season. Mike Lennon hadn't started a game since 2017. Yeah. But the Jaguars won their opener against the Colts. They've lost 10 consecutive. And I think the key here is defensively that you have to put pressure on this offense and in particular the quarterback throughout the course of Sunday's game as a starting point. So do not be passive. Be aggressive. Even if it costs you, I think, against a team like the Jags, that is key number four. Yeah, Mike, Mike Glennon... He's interesting in that he's like he had a good run in Tampa as a starter. Like by good run, I mean like he was a starter for the better part of two years. <laughs> he got a job. He wasn't a total disaster. Like, well, he wasn't one of those guys that comes in and and throws like you know more interceptions than touchdowns or something. But he Bears def- signed him to a fairly decent contract, right? It was like he, and then he lost like the job. Fifteen million dollars. They That's they, what it was. they signed mil. him, right. and then they were they were going to maybe sit Mitch Trubisky behind him, I think. Yep. And they just gave the keys to Mitch Trubisky. No pun intended. All right, key. Key number three in this uh, Jaguars-Vikings matchup, the highlight of the National Football League week, I am sure. The Dalvin Dilemma. All right, so since the bye week, Dalvin's touches per game have been 32, 24, 34, 32, and then down to 22 against Carolina last Sunday as he injured his ankle early in the third quarter, came out of that game. We thought that he was done Logically, probably should have been done, Mm -hmm. but he went back in. The dilemma here is a week from Sunday, you play Tampa Bay, which is a sort of a dysfunctional team, but not a bad team in Tampa. Dalvin Cook is going to need to be as healthy as you could possibly get him for the stretch run if you uh, are going to beat Jacksonville, which you should, but then you're going to have to pull off a couple of upsets probably in order to make the playoffs after a one and five start. So, Phil Mackey, I give you the Dalvin dilemma, which to me should not be a dilemma at all. The Vikings should take the workload off of Dalvin Cook on Sunday as much as as humanly possible and apply it elsewhere in order to get him prepared for the end of the season stretch. Yeah, could they treat this as kind of not that like carrying the ball only 10 times is, you know, it's still an NFL game in which you're getting tackled and hit, so there's still a risk. But, you know, if they're going to activate him and he's going to play – it doesn't make sense to just pound it 30 times against the Jaguars. Can you beat the Jaguars giving the ball to Dalvin 10 times? Probably, right? I would so hope this, so. So this would be a good... F- yes. I, I, would, <laughs> I hope. I don't know if I would... like. I don't know if I would go as far as sitting him. Yeah, but, I wouldn't sit him. But I would, I agree with that. I would definitely... Uh, I would definitely... This would be an Alex Madison game a little bit. And just you know, treat it like... A Sunday game, you've already won the first two games of a baseball series, and you're playing a crappy team. Like, you might sit one of your starters. Red, you Redmond Ur- batting third? Or you might pull him. Yeah. Oh Red, <laughs> Redmond batting third on a Wednesday after a Tuesday night game? All right. Amazing. So that that is uh, key number three as we work our way backwards with the four keys to the Vikings-Jags on Sunday. Um, the next key is very simple and plays off my cook point, and it's this. Spread the wealth. And I don't mean that from a rushing standpoint. I mean that from a passing standpoint. Thielen didn't play against the Panthers. He will come back for this game. But what did we learn against the Panthers? Bad on defense, but guess what? So is Jacksonville, right? What did we learn last Sunday, U.S. Bank Stadium? That is Kirk Cousins has the ability, if his favorite target is not there, to spread the wealth. 
Seven passes apiece caught by B.C. Johnson, Jefferson, Rudolph, and Declan Goff's favorite, Chad Beebe. Okay? Seven apiece caught by each of those. Thielen's back. But there is no reason to count on him to be like the go-to. Oh, he's got to be the guy. No, he doesn't, right? He's not. He's actually. He's He's really good. He's good, yes. But he's not necessarily, like, size-wise good or big enough to just throw him the ball when he's covered all the time. Yep. So. So in the last drive against the Panthers on Sunday, Cousins completed six passes to three receivers, all right? That should be the formula here. And by the way, the Jaguars are 29th in the National Football League defensively against the run and pass. Spread the wealth offensively. There is no reason to fixate on Cook, Thielen, or anybody else. Everybody can get their touches and their share of contribution offensively in this game, which, again, should not be that hard to win. And I think if you're going to sort of disproportionately favor someone or or force the ball to someone, it should be Justin Jefferson more than Adam Thielen. Because yep. I think the payoff is going to be higher. Yep. And it, it sounds crazy but because he's like 10 games into his career, 11 games in, but he's the best wide receiver on this team. He is. And he's, he is. One, of the, he's one of the five or six, seven best wide receivers in the NFL. If we could play that game, maybe let's, you know, let's let him have another 100-yard, two-touchdown performance uh, and then see what happens next week. But I think there's probably only five or six guys in the NFL that I would definitively take over Justin Jefferson right now. And some of it might be like, well, what do you mean? If if he were targeted like DK Metcalf is in Seattle or like DeAndre Hopkins is in Arizona, and he will be at some point, whether it's with this regime and this system and setup, I don't know. But um, Stefan Diggs is seeing his numbers pop because he's getting targeted more often. So I would say I agree with everything, everything you're saying. Spread the wealth. Unless it's Justin Jefferson, then it's okay to go a little bit beyond spreading the ball and just, just give him more. This is the game to spread the ball around. You are going to beat them if you're smart. The only way that you are going to lose this game is two-pronged. You no-show defensively, basically, and somebody, i.e. your quarterback, starts to panic. Should not happen. Not in this yep. game. Not today. And the final key. The final key. Keys is very proud. He stayed up all night trying to think of the headline for the final key. And the headline is more of a payoff than the actual key itself. No more Marwin Magoofs. No more Marwin Magoofs. Special teams. So you blocked a field goal. Congratulations. You blocked a field goal against the Panthers last Sunday. I get that. But BB muffed a punt. Chris Boyd was called for his get this this is this is tough. Chris Boyd was called for his third penalty on a punt in 2 weeks, okay? It now looks like your your snapping situation is done, like it's it's been taken care of. I think that this guy that they got who I don't think had had a long snap since the 2018 season, he's now in place. That doesn't the last sound two reassuring. Weeks, he's been yeah, good. Like, oh, he no, just, like, he found like, a random guy. He like but... blew up both knees. But this is why you don't oh, draft a wait, guy. Wait, wait, even better. Wait, you're de- you're he de- like blew up both wait, knees. Wait, wait, you're no, de- you're, I'm not. Your defense for 
wait a second, this doesn't sound right. Is no, you guys don't understand. He's back. He was out because he blew out both knees. No, he is. He is <laughs> the, the fact. The fact that you can find a guy who who is a who is a, a janitor or collecting garbage and make him your long snapper is why you don't draft. Dude, what's going to happen? A long snapper when they're playing when they're when they've made it to the NFC Championship game against all odds. You they've run the happen. table. He's going to roll and the ball. And they're lining up for a game-winning field goal, and Dan Bailey's locked in. He's 27 made 20 yards. consecutive It'll kicks. It'll be 27 yards. And this dude, both of his both of his ACLs blow out at the same time, you and he rolls not a ground happen? ball. You think that won't happen? You think that that is that is so... You like that? Vikings, it's incredible. You like how this tastes? You like how that tastes? I don't like how that tastes at all, but anyway... Well, I heard it all week long, right? 0-9 on Monday night. Just so underdelivered. So he promised the payoff. But anyway, so kicker is fine, right? Like the incredible thing about the last month of special teams screw ups is this to me. The kicker's not a problem. Like how long was the kicker a problem for? Bailey's been great. The punter, I'm not saying he's all world, but Colquitt's been just fine, right? So like we're talking about other special teams screw ups. No more Marwin Magoofs. I like the Marwin Magoof angle there. I like that. I think uh, I think you should probably send that to Mike Zimmer next time he's ready to yell and scream at I Marwin on the sidelines. I if it's Marwin Magoof, we can just play this all the time, which is a Goofy from Goofy movie. I don't think you're going to have to worry about Marwin. I think that's going to be the sound he, he makes the day after the season ends when he's told his that's, contract is uh, being terminated that's or not renewed. when the ball goes over his head. That's literally Mark, that's Colquitt. Are you guys kind of surprised that he hasn't been fired yet yes. this season? I really thought after that yeah, Bears game, I thought that he was, I mean, Zimmer basically lost it, right? And it's special teams. Yeah. Like in my, It's not even unwarranted. Like the amount of just like no. little things that go awry, it's like it's not just coincidence or bad luck. You guys have an unfocused group of special teams players. But in Mike's <laughs> mind, like in Mike's mind, I think he just thinks special teams should work. It's like us with cars, right? Like if something goes wrong with our car, we've got no clue. And our assumption is our car should just work. I think that's how Zim sees special teams. And so I, for the life of, of him, and he's probably sitting there thinking to himself, okay, wait, my kicker's been really good. My punter's been fine, right? And now I've got problems with Chris Boyd taking penalties or my punt returners yeah. are muffing punts. We can't get a yard on a punt. Or, or or Bailey's being told it's okay to kick off to Cordell Patterson, one of probably like the last three guys in the National Football League who will bring out kicks. He's probably like, what are, what are we doing? They have 13 return yards. 13. 13. On punts, right? 13 on punts. That is such an awesome stat. So That's pretty punt great. returns... Yeah, KJ Osborne, who's now been deactivated. He was apparently he he has four punt returns. I don't know how many fair catches, but four punt returns for six yards this season. Four punt returns for six yards. Was he trying to? So the one that he muffed mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. against Dallas that got him um, benched in the next game. Was he trying to fair catch that one and muffed it? I don't remember. I can't remember. But it was the first. It was yeah, Dallas's first punt now. of that game. Chad Beebe has five returns for seven yards. Hey, oh. But you don't want. Now, let's be clear here. I think in Zim's world, you don't care if the ball is returned. You just want it secured for the offense. 
Like that's the problem. Well, but you don't even have to. But you don't even have to catch it to secure it for the offense. Just don't go near it. It can bounce around and it's secured for the offense. What would you think of this? What would you think of bailing on the idea of a punt return man entirely, and like putting an extra guy up front? Just to try and block punts? Just to try and block punts or something. I'm fine with that. Now, I don't want to hit the punter because that's a penalty. Just, just go with blocking punt. Yeah, analytically, wouldn't that be more sound than what they've been doing? But I'm just wondering, if unless unless you have a guy that you know can return punts and is really reliable and good, and this might sound crazy, but what's the real purpose? No, I'm with you. If, if like, you literally have, you're averaging, <laughs> this is amazing, you're averaging... One yard per game returning punts this season. <laughs> One yard per game returning punts. You're better off just trying to block them. Yep. Right. I'm with you. Right. Or just, just try let to it, just, sell and just let it bounce. Let it bounce. If, if listen, Like, I'm going to get the ball. If you get a Randall Cunningham 1990, you get like a 95-yard punt because it rolls because you have no one back there, which can't happen because there's no AstroTurf now. I think that was more of an AstroTurf era thing where he – Remember that? Oh, Randall yeah. Cunningham in Buffalo, right? punted like one from his own end zone, and it like wind and everything at his back on it's AstroTurf. A, it's a great clip. And it rolled like all the way to the opposing team's goal line. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Like, if that happens, all right, that kind of sucks. But at least you didn't but you still it. got the ball. But, I mean, the ball is still yours. So those are Judd's keys. Anyway, no Marlon Magoofs. Vikings victory. Are you guys ready for a little action movie rewind here every Friday on Mackie and Judd? Page yeah. notes. Page of notes. A mid-90s classic that we're going to dive into here today. Get down to the limo. Come on. Take it down. Take it down. Get down. Get down. Down. Get down. Get down. Get down. Get down. All right. Get down. With Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... So what's your angle? Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Trade secret. Okay. Just ask yourself. What do women really want? You take these bored housewives married to the same guy for years, they're stuck in a rut. They need some release. <laughs> Promise of adventure. Hint of danger. I create that for them. So basically, you're lying your ass off the whole time. You see, I couldn't do that. <laughs> what are you, a boy scout? No, no, Think of it as playing a role. It's fantasy. I mean, you got to work on their dreams. Get them out of their daily suburban grind for a few hours. And what about their husbands? English. I mean, let's face it. If they took care of business, I'd be out of business. You know what I mean? <laughs> Those idiots. <laughs> so good. Those pa- idiots. Bill Paxton. The bridge is out. Get down. All the lines, though. That's the greatest part about this film. He's got all the lines. And and plus, he's got about 10 uh, looks where they told him, Arnold, we need the Terminator look. So, so what's the scoop, team? You see your contact yet? Haven't seen him yet. But I see somebody I'd like to say hello to. Here, let me pour you some more champagne. I got to keep up the waiter bit. These stakeouts can be tricky, you know. You never know when things might explode into a life or death situation. If it gets rough, just stay low until it's over. 
and I'll contact you later. Maybe you should give me your tell. So, you meet again, Carlos. Honey, I'm just going to do him right here, okay? Go for it. Oh, God. Peeing all over. Fear is not an option. <laughs> God. All right, yeah. action movie rewind. True Lies, Arnold, 1994 blockbuster <laughs> classic. And before we do a deep dive here, just for people who might be new to the segment, we started doing action movie rewind when the pandemic hit and wiped out sports back in March, and it's just been one of our most fun Friday uh, segments. And so we've kept it around even through football season, and we've gotten just great responses from you guys, the listeners, and we are now welcoming you guys to submit your suggestions for movies that we will include in the voting every single week. So you can keep up on my Twitter account with the voting over the weekend for what movie you should watch for the next week. But if you want to go back and uh, binge previous episodes of Action Movie Rewind, Mackie and Judd Fridays. Just go back and you'll find like all 35 of them. True Lies, 1994. Here's the summary, boys. Mm -hmm. Harry Tasker leads a double life. (laughs) To his wife, Helen, and his daughter, Dana... Harry is a mild-mannered computer salesman, often away on business trips. But secretly, he's a secret agent for a United States intelligence agency named Omega Sector. Harry's mission to track down nuclear missiles and a terrorist named Aziz is complicated when he realizes his neglected wife, Helen, Jamie Lee Curtis, is contemplating an affair with Simon, played by Bill Paxton. Brilliantly played by Bill Paxton. Yes. A used car salesman who claims he's a spy. When Aziz kidnaps Harry and Helen, a secret agent must save the world and patch up his marriage all at the same time. 71% on Rotten Tomatoes, a $100 million budget, which was a cinematic record at the time, turned into $379 million at the box office. This was directed by James Cameron, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tom Arnold, Bill Paxton, Tia Carrere, and even Charlton Heston making an appearance. Right. Not long, this though. Movie. Yeah, a couple yeah. scenes for Charlton yeah, he Heston. He didn't have lots of time. So we'll start with Judd. What was your key takeaway from True Lies? Get down! Get down! It, the Arnold stuff is just so... And Cameron knows every line and, like, every look. And, and so he's like, we're paying so much, we're going to get you to do this ten times a time. Uh, it is, without a doubt, much more plot to it. And as you you said, Phil, the first the first production ever with a budget that exceeded one hundred million dollars, it is Commando with the budget. It's yeah, it's command. It's the another, same film. Another seventy million dollars. Another five months to film. We're going to an island. Another We're going to go to an island. You're going to yeah. blow up the island. <laughs> Jamie Lee's there now too because we've got lots of cash to work with. Get down. But it is Commando with a budget, and it was a writing staff. With a lot of time and a lot of stars and a lot of cash, right? And so what I loved about this film was you could tell they're they're like, okay, we got Schwarzenegger. Okay, we got to do all of the Arnold stuff. Okay, but hold on a second here. We get Jamie Lee Curtis, bankable box office star, right? Hold on a second here. We've got to come up with a storyline basically specifically for her that has to be woven into the yeah. Schwarzenegger line. So so and and by the way, we are going 2 hours plus, okay? So but but wait, we're not done yet. Bill Bill Paxton's going to play a funny uh not major but 
a funny role, and he's a star as well, okay? So we got to have a bill pass. What are we going to write for a bill here? Um, and then the best part is, then the best part is they're not done. They're like, and we have this young, this young uh, girl who's going to play his daughter, but she's good too. And remember in com- uh, in Commando, we had this same thing. So we got to write a storyline for her as well. Um, <laughs> they all need so they basically wrote everyone a storyline. Her story arc came at the very end when yeah. they they already had like two hours and ten minutes yes. of movie, and they're like, "Oh, we need one more arc." <laughs> they they yeah. did one they, more arc. They did. So my so my <laughs> takeaway is it literally is Commando with a massive budget. This movie could have ended three times. Like it could have totally ended. It, it could have ended on the island. But weren't you amused? And then Jamie Lee Curtis gets kidnapped. And then it could have ended on the bridge. The bridge. That's where I thought it was going to end. And then the daughter gets kidnapped. That's where I thought it was going to end. <laughs> but I mean, but it's the same. But I mean, it's just like his kid who gets kidnapped. But I was, I was actually instead of being mad, I was amused mm. because they just kept going. Yeah. And they're like, okay, no, it can't be done yet. No, no, it's still not done yeah. yet. So, Dex, what was what was your main takeaway from I, this one? Judd kind of stole all of my thunder there. I mean, there's so, so much going on in this film. <laughs> there is. Too much, there honestly. Is. You're right. Too much is going on in this film. It is a lot. Um, <laughs> you, you, like, you start this exquisite, like, break into this mansion. I'm like, okay, cool. Also, like, you have a torch underneath water. He breaks in like that. I don't think that's how torches work, but I'm not going to try it. Whatever. It's, <laughs> it's action movies. It's ridiculous and over the top. So, like, okay. And then, you know, he's going through the house. He's trying to get the dad. And he's got his two buddies in a in a van above the river or above the, above the house. Like He's greeting all these luminaries yeah. like, good to see you again. Yes. And then the guy turns around. Who the hell was that? Which, by the way, is cool. <laughs> yeah. And like at that point in time, I, I thought, oh, this is the film. Hold, hold this for a second. He's wooing Juno Skinner, who I was a big fan of throughout this entire film, by the way. I, I think she might be one of my favorite, one of my more favorite characters. I really liked her. Is that Tia well, Carrere? Tia, Tia Carrere, Tia yeah. Carrere. Okay. Her name's Juno, Ju, uh, Juno Skinner in the movie. Juno is her name? Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's just way, <laughs> way too much going on, and I thought it was going to end like four different times, and it kept on going. It, it's it was it was classic Arnold. Like there's some cla- there's some just great classic Arnold ridiculous over the top lines and kill scenes for that matter. But just way too much going on. I think is my key takeaway right. before I start so, everything. All right, so my my key takeaway, and we'll get into our favorite parts and these favorite parts, etc. But my key takeaway from this movie, the good and the bad, is that for all of its bells and whistles and stars, when I think back to '90s action movies, like the '80s had their own feel. It was very much the Beverly Hills Cop, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard kind of a feel. Don right? Johnson sort of, right? Big, Miami sort of, Vice sort of. Yep, yep. I got you. And then the 90s had, I, I'm trying to describe it, like the 90s had, it was a little bit more of like a terrorist, even though Die Hard had terrorists, it was like terrorists are taking over a plane. Terror. It was like they took the Die Hard formula and just said, what Like, what are some things that terror, we're, we're scared of terrorists, what are some things that terrorists can take over? <laughs> The Rock, they take over Alcatraz. Air Force One, they take over the president's plane. Like, there's all these different iterations. I think my key takeaway, though, is that this movie is in the running for biggest blockbuster action movie of the 90s. When I think back to the 90s, I'm thinking, like, what are the best action movies, biggest, most grandiose? I think Armageddon, Mm -hmm. which we haven't even done on this yet. We should throw that out at some point. That's another long one, right? It's over two hours, yep. I think True Lies. I think The Rock. And there's a few other Independence ones in Day. Independence yep. Day. Yep. Good one. So it's it's in that it's yeah. in that mold for me. And watching it back for the first time in like ten years, um, it was everything I remembered it to be. It definitely was. This broke ground too, right? 
It was the like most expensive time, movie like, of all time. It's, it's and I have, I have a list Cameron. of like all those we'll so get to. It, it probably yeah. broke ground as yeah. far as that goes. Uh, so let's get, we'll get to the James Cameron stuff too, because I have a whole <laughs> bunch of notes on James. James Cameron's only done like 10 movies yeah. ever. He hasn't which done it. But he loves Arnold. Arnold. He does. Favorite part of this movie, Judd? This is not hard. Um, it's cliche, but it's great. The, the, to go back to it, commando Arnold stuff. Like Arnold destroying an island is just so much fun to watch. Like that, that it, it yeah. was just, and I know we have seen it before. It's nothing new. Um, but that, and the Bill Paxton stuff is great too, because he's such a great slime ball. Um, but just, I love it when, when, Arnold goes back to an island and blows things up, and you know he's got like a a gun, and guys have machine guns, and yet he kills them all. It's just fantastic. So I I would say that the fact that they didn't try to deviate from the Arnold recipe that works so well yeah. is my favorite part. Because again, I get it's cliched, and probably some find it boring. I find it to be very charming. I'll, I'll piggyback there. It's just I'll, I'll add to your favorite thing because I have a different thing. But um, I think Harry Arnold. I'm going to call him Harry for the rest of this because I love I love that his name is Harry. <laughs> he's just like he's just a sales guy named Harry. I'm on the horse. Yeah, he's riding a horse through. That's one of the. He, I Didn't would say like he's one of the most well-rounded action stars that we've seen. In that he can tango. He's smooth with the ladies. He speaks multiple languages. He's physically agile. He can ride horses through malls and elevators, which seemed a little bit inefficient. I think at at some point when you're done chasing the motorcycle on a horse and now you're into like a shopping mall. Yes. I don't know. Like getting into an elevator with a horse seems inefficient Do to you, me. So, so that's an exterior um, thing too, right? How on earth would the... The horse, which weighs how much? A couple thousand pounds. Okay. For growing up with a horse. You're, tell, you're telling me, sorry, Declan, yeah. you're telling me that you could have ridden up to the top of that hotel with a couple thousand pound horse and that it could carry it. The elevator is going to The elevator would break. Yeah, it'd be tough. It Especially would, with yeah, the other two it people wouldn't, in it. It simply wouldn't work. Yeah, three people in a horse. That was my favorite thing is that. Let's go to the top. Oh, it's just- yeah. Also, like his creativity with the kills. You know, when he's yeah. on the island and uh-huh. he tells he's he's on that truth serum that's got a moozy, and he tells <laughs> that's the, another great line. He tells the surgeon guy I'm, who's really creepy. I'm going to snap your neck and use you as a human you, body shield. Right. Hang on to that. And then when he gets out, he's he picks up a couple of Uzis. And my favorite kill scene is when he walks out and like runs out in slow motion with the Uzis. <laughs> And and he's got terrace on both sides as he walks out of the shed. Yes. And instead of like aiming out outwardly with your arms, he crosses his arms with the Uzis yeah. for some reason. Is it more accurate that way when you're fighting terrorists with two Uzis? It just looks cooler. It, it looks, looks way cool. co- yeah. it looks way cooler. It, <laughs> they said this looks really really cool. Get Arnold. down! Get down! He's also a great communicator and leader too. You know, he's taking charge. Yeah, Jamie he's directing Lee. Traffic. He helped her. He's cool under pressure. Yeah. So. All right, Declan, your favorite thing about True Lies? I think all just the side characters for so Tom Arnold is oh, man. phenomenal. I want to talk film. about this at if, some point. No, let's talk right now. Let's yeah, if if Tom Arnold's character and role is not in this film, I probably seriously hate this movie. Like he, he, he saves a, it for me. Saves it. He saves this movie for wow. me. Wow. Right. I'll, I'll get to my ranking of it, but like he makes this movie work for me, oh. w- without a doubt. See, I feel like he's great in this movie. <sighs> yeah. 
But I th- I think Bill Paxton's great in this movie. Yep. And I think Arnold is All classic right. Arnold in this and, movie. And, and I just think the side characters in general in this film, like Tia and and even even his daughter too. Like I, I think all the side characters are the things that kind of bring it back in for me, and that that's what I really like about it. All right, so Paxton is great. Like I agree yeah. completely. That's a great. He he he's a, a star at that point, and he plays a role that was a good role, but certainly not huge. But I've got one question about. Tom Arnold in particular. What got him so big? And like now in retrospect, was he really that funny? Like if I'm casting that film. He was a stand-up guy, right? Yeah. yeah. But if I'm casting that film, I would have gotten somebody to play that role with that budget who would have been a bigger star. I thought he was perfect for that role. And And he did fine, but I just kept thinking to myself, is this the same guy from Best Damn Sports Show period? That's right. I forgot he was on that Roseanne's show. ex-husband? Right. Yeah. Helen is having an affair. Welcome to the club, man. <laughs> Nobody Helen. thinks it can happen to them the first time, buddy. <laughs> Save the check thing happened to me with wife number two. Remember? I had no idea nothing's going on, right? I come home one day, and the house is completely empty. And I mean completely empty. She even took the ice cube trays out of the freezer. What kind of a sick <laughs> takes the ice cube trays <laughs> out of the freezer? That's good. Helen. Hey, Harry. Hey, listen, Helen still loves you. You know, she just wants to bang this guy for a while, you know? It's nothing serious. You'll get used to it soon. Stop cheering me up! I mean, that's, just, that's pretty good, it's, yeah. It's He's great. great. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you'd have to float me a couple of, like, potential replacements for me to put my head around it. You know, are you talking about, like, like who else in the 90s? Like, Dave Coulier oh, jumping see. in or something? Like, who God. else would you have envisioned on the you know who scene. you could have got, gotten oh. if he hadn't been in a ton of films by that point? Chris Rock? I was going to say Pesci. Because that, that's sort of the Pesci role from Lethal Weapon 3. It is the Pesci role. But, but it, he wouldn't have been that, that great. He, I'm had, just already, saying he that. had already played that role right, in that's Lethal what I'm saying. Weapon. Well, he had played that role out. Yeah. What about Kevin Nealon? Could he have done it? Because he like oh, he I, I, think it. That, I think I'm thinking of the era. He was also in a huge 1994 movie. Yeah. I think Happy Gilmore came out. Yeah. Actually, how about Gilmore. this one, boys? At the time. Dana Carvey. He's goofy. He also starred in a movie with Tia Carrere, Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Yeah, she was a bad guy in that too, right? Yeah, she basically played the same character. <laughs> she did. Right? You know what? You're right. You're right. That's not, I, I remember. You're right. Um, Mike okay. Myers. I can't envision I can't him. No, it. I'm kidding. No. no. Carvey could have played that role. Carvey could have right. done it. My favorite thing in this movie was the fact that we find out when. When Jamie Lee Curtis, when Helen's asking Harry, so how long have you been a spy? Like she's finding out that her husband who comes home late from work all the time and he's just gone and like she tries to call him and there's always a secretary that has to patch her through because he's in these important meetings that he's been a spy for 17 years. And my favorite part of this movie is just trying to wrap my head around how you would possibly keep that secret from your wife and daughter for 17 years. So, uh, like, Tom Arnold answering the phone when he's chasing motorcycle terrorist guy through a mall on a horse, and it's his daughter's birthday, and, like, Tom Arnold answers the phone. He's like, oh, yeah, Harry forgot something at the office. You know know how Harry operates. He doesn't come back for, like, five hours. Like, and you're (laughs) – it's just – that stuff probably happened all the time. Or oh my god, I, I they didn't worry I about it. Go, I have to go to Yemen and like kill a terrorist the for writing, a weekend. They didn't worry about it. <laughs> How would you explain away all the they, times they that you would care. have to go to a different country though? 
They literally don't care how you come to the conclusion that they did it. That's what I'm saying. The budget was so big that they just kept writing, and they gave. They basically at some point in time said, bleep it. We're not going to give any thought. We're just going to write these parts. Did you like when he comes home? You're so, right. So he goes on that chase, and he comes home, and, and Helen's just sitting by the birthday cake, and the daughter is sleeping. And Harry knows, like, oh, my God, I'm in deep trouble. And the next day he goes to her work, but he walks up behind her. And she's just sitting in a dark kitchen, and he puts his hands on her shoulders, kisses her on the cheek, and goes, Hi, honey, are you upset? <laughs> are you upset? And she's never that upset. She's like, Oh, she's it's, just seething inside. She's annoyed yeah. and- but the answer to your question is I think early on in the process, they bailed on explaining things. They're just like, It makes no sense. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah, seven, we got so much years. money. We're going to she- blow a bridge out. Classic Cameron. The bridge is out. The bridge is she, out. And the other conclusion off of that, too, is that she, you know, my my question is, how do you keep this secret for 17 years? And the answer is, your wife is an idiot. Yes. <laughs> right? 1,000%. Well, I mean, how do you not know? How do you not know? How that do he, they? You at least think that he was cheating on you, I would think. Oh, of course. Fine. Right? How Fine. do they pay okay. off? So so early in the film, when Arnold brings, or when, when Tom Arnold's character brings in the glasses to Harry that can see what's going on in a different yeah, room. And he sees his daughter take something from I think the breast pocket of his jacket. I think M- it was money. money. Yeah, it was like money. A 20 or something. Like is there a payoff for that whole right. scene? Like it's sort of like they forgot like at the end I thought that they would tie it back in when he saves his daughter. Yeah. But like did I miss it or is there or uh, did they just sort of like show you that and then forget? That was it. I forgot we wrote that. I don't think they tied it back, but I think the 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 point of that and some of the other interactions early on were to show that Harry's not exactly the most hands-on greatest dad. Okay. That she doesn't really respect him that much, so she's just like so stealing money okay. from him. I thought it was going to come back to something. No, I don't, at some I don't, point in the movie. I don't think later it did. on in the movie. Okay. All right. Your least favorite thing about True Lies, Judd. Uh, so it, it goes back to the script itself, and and it's very. This is going to be very Maconian of me because it's a very much a Phil thing. And ordinarily, I don't care, okay? But, like, this is such a huge gap in the whole thing. And it's so clearly to get everybody as much screen time as possible. So I'm supposed to believe that Harry and his partners are chasing terrorists who are trying to bring down the White House in Washington and ultimately our country, Okay. But then I'm supposed to believe that all of those important people are going to pivot to running to too. running surveillance on Harry's <laughs> mm-hmm. wife, at which point in time the terrorists are gone from the script. Like, yeah. there's no, I'm trying to do two things. It's basically, Harry, we can't do this. We no, lo- we're going we, to. We lost a terrorist in a mall and at a hotel very but, publicly. And then we're going to forget about it. And that terrorist also, like, shot up a bathroom, a yes. very public bathroom. Yes. That guy got away. But now we need to pivot and, to focus on Harry's marriage. And Jamie yes. Lee Curtis is being followed by a helicopter. Okay, okay. So yeah. so that's part two. Like, th- this film is very, very simply broken down into at least, if not, three, four, or four parts. Okay. Then I'm supposed to believe that at the end, we're going to pivot back to pursuing the terrorists. Only now, Jamie Lee Curtis's character is involved and then my other my other favorite part is it's very clear that they approached and i don't blame them one bit charlton heston to play a role as the boss right yep. but heston must have said 
I'm old, I'm rich, I'll do it, and I'll do it for a half hour, okay? Yeah, you got 30 minutes to film with me. Yeah. So, so the one, boss, one, one wardrobe yeah, change, yeah. So the boss disappears entirely, <laughs> and by the end, they're serving no boss. Anyway, like, like ordinarily, Phil gets more distraught about this stuff than I do. But in this case, it was just like they said, we've got a budget, we've got bankable stars, we do not care if the audience can follow along or not. Yeah, I. so this is exactly my least favorite thing about the movie, verbatim. I, I'll just read you what I wrote down here in my notes. <laughs> Would the government really devote resources, helicopters, and top spies to figure out if a guy's wife is cheating yes, on him dude. or not? So it... <laughs> And then my other question is when when they're the iconic Jamie Lee Curtis dance scene in yeah. the hotel room where Arnold is sitting in the shadows oh, using God. a tape recorder yes. with someone else's voice and getting her to dance and then he goes and he kisses her which is weird that he wouldn't think okay would. so she thinks I'm trying to like do something terrible to her right now I should maybe speak so she knows that it's me before I kiss her so he kisses her she hits him on the head with the phone and it's like dude what my question is why, why, like, what were the terrorists doing breaking into the hotel room? What was their, did they feel like they needed to capture those two to c- complete their mission? Like, weren't they just stealing nuclear warheads? Why did they even need to go back to Arnold in the first place? And did it ma- I don't know. I I actually don't. Like, you're maybe, asking a question I, I 100% can't answer. So it's like they tried, they had this terrorists have nuclear warheads and they're going to, and they're going to blow up major cities yeah. out of the plot. And then they had the. Harry and Helen's marriage is on the rocks because Harry hasn't told her that he's a spy. Right. And they tried to merge those two plots together, and mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense, and, and I don't care. And, and, by, and by, the, by the time the terrorists came back, I had almost forgotten about them. Right. Oh, that's right. I'm There's like, terrorists in this movie. I'm yes. like, who are they? Oh, that's right. That's the bad guys again from part one. Why are they here? Yes. It doesn't make sense. I have no idea. We're all in unison because I literally wrote down, not, uh, I really wrote, I wrote down, this seems like a ridiculous abuse of power to prove that your ex-wife isn't cheating. <laughs> And then you get him in the you get him in the inter- she's in the interrogation room behind the two sided yeah. glass, right? And my question is, they've got their voices disguised, but you can't disguise your accent, right? I don't. Yes, I don't. So wouldn't she be able idea. to pick up on yes. even though his voice? And how is altered? long is that scene? Way too long. That scene long. with her, I don't need that. Like I could have cut that scene almost entirely out. It's pretty long. Um, my God, but I, they, they milked it for how long? Ten, a long ten time. minutes? Pretty, pretty long time. Eight minutes? Ten minutes? I just yeah. didn't understand the ridiculous abuse of power to prove your ex-wife isn't cheating. Where the terrorist group really just falls into this movie, I don't really understand like, the timeline that. of it. It's a great point. And I, I don't know why, but I was honestly really uncomfortable with the Jamie Lee Curtis like provocative dance scene. I don't like I know Jamie Lee Curtis. I think of Jamie Lee Curtis, maybe this is like just my age talking, but like as like that movie TV mom. Yeah, she is. She totally so is. So then when she's like Acting like a sex symbol, like I didn't really know how to comprehend it, and it was kind of weirding me out. She's like kind of, kind of hot. But and, like, I don't know, it's Jamie Lee Curtis. And, and she, yeah, and when he's like finally kissing her on the bed before he she smacks him on with the phone, I'm sorry. Wouldn't also you kind of know if your eyes were closed? You could tell if it was your husband yes. kissing you. Yes, I agree completely. Like you'd be yeah, able to. Think, tell. I would hope so. You, yeah. Right. So like I think in general, and like the smell, right? The smell, like, the, the touch, that you would be able to figure out. Oh, Harry's gone on a lot of business trips, it's, though. It's true. They did not. They did not give a damn about all of the things that we just said. If I was blindfolded, <laughs> they did not care. And every woman I've ever kissed kissed me. I think I could pick them out. Really? I think I could pick them out. Well, can we get that's this actually? Arranged? Yeah. Can we do this on the show? That's a bold take. I think I could pick him up. That is bold. (laughs) Wow. I would say yes on the wife part. I don't know about the other part. 
But I think you could figure it out. This should, this, this should be a game we play for the Scorn of the YouTube channel with Declan. Blind, blindfolded can find, X's. X's. Can we find the X's? <laughs> yes. Can we unearth them? Yes. Um, okay. All right. The, your least believable thing in True Lies, Judd. Oh. <laughs> Where do I start? <laughs> right. Um, you got to pick one. Uh, okay. It, since I picked on, on the script a lot so far, let me pick on the actual the fact that it was that despite the budget, it was 1994, and the special effects aren't near where. Mm-hmm. They are now. The scene on the bridge with the helicopter and Arnold hanging upside down off the leg of the chop, the chopper, the chopper, the chopper, and Jamie Lee Curtis um, trying to hang out of the sunroof of the car, and it's just very clear that they're basically like on a sound stage or something. Oh, I thought you were going to. You're saying like the believability. I'm of the saying set. The, I'm saying the believability of of the set on the bridge that blew out. I would have gone with the mm. believability of like the actual thing that they were trying to do. Which oh, is that like pull too. Out of the sun that rails. too. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, if you did that now, because of the time that's passed and special effects have improved quite a bit since then, uh, it would look probably plausible. Like if you go back and watch that scene now. Um, the whole thing, you're just like, okay, this is very cute, but it's not close to being. It's also the longest realistic. bridge ever. Like, yeah. yes, yes, the- it is. And I did. Did they? Did they really shoot on a bridge? Did they have like a scene? I I'm curious how they did that. Here's the other question I would have. In but that anyway, moment. it wasn't believable. Was she unable to get? So the the driver is dead. Yeah, he's he accidentally got shot, but his foot is still lodged against the gas pedal. He's yes. a big guy. So bullet goes through the glass or whatever. Yes. Is she unable to get through the window, you know, separating the driver from the back of the limo? Because if you've got two choices in that spot and your life is dependent on you making one of these choices and doing it correctly. Yes. You can either climb out the sunroof of a car moving, let's say, 40, 50, 60 miles an hour, grab one arm onto your husband who's hanging from a helicopter. Yeah, who's going to fall? And then don't fall once he grabs you. Yep. Or you can find your way by breaking the glass to the front of the vehicle Pull the dead body off the gas pedal and just have the car stop. Would your foot, if you got shot, would your foot stay on the gas pedal or would it just come off naturally? Because you you wouldn't have the muscle control in your right foot to stay on the no, gas I, pedal, I, right? I think, I think with the dead weight on that gas pedal, it would stay so you'd on fall there. forward yeah. onto it? I mean, it? It, it, would be like, it would be a coincidence of him falling forward onto that gas pedal, but I think if it's on there, okay. it's on there with dead yeah, weight. Yeah, like your leg goes limp probably. Yeah, yeah I would think it would like— on the gas pedal. Probably does, you're probably not going 70. I was going to say, I think you'd slow down a lot. That's just my guess. But anyway, that that to me You're saying that that scene doesn't well, hold quite as much power. Well, honest too. You're saying that scene doesn't hold quite as much power if the car is moving 6 miles an hour. Well, and oh how, my god. And how is his kid and how is his kid then hanging onto the crane in the next scene? Like none of it. Oh, it was just Look. Uh, it, it was great fun, okay? Least believable thing, I think. That's that's pretty good. I, I think mine's fairly obvious. The scene at the end where he kills like three birds with one stone, literally, where he's got the, the the remaining terrorists are in two spots. One guy is climbing on the plane trying to get him, and the others are in a helicopter on the other side of a building that's being constructed. And he once this once the one guy gets like hooked on the rocket, he shoots the guy on the rocket through the building. Into the helicopter of terrorists and kills all of them. Yeah. It is one of the great, most efficient scoring scenes in an action movie that we've reviewed. 
It's also the least believable thing in this movie. Yeah. So. It's when he gets into the fighter jet when he's on the after the blown up the bridge, <laughs> and he can just somehow fly it, and then also everyone, like, you would have permanent ear, everyone would have had permanent ear damage trying to listen to that thing take off five feet in front of you. One thousand percent. Amazing. Some great, by the way, some great action scenes. We've gone over, like, most of them here, but... You've got like five pillar action scenes in this movie that are all just huge budget. You've got that opening scene in Switzerland where he's running down the snowy mountain after the explosion. That's one of my favorites. I, I enjoyed that scene. Terrorist skiers and snowmobiles. They got on those snowmobiles pretty fast after they mm-hmm. found out that it was uh, it was Harry uh, the spy. Harry on a horse. You had Harry escaping terrorist island. The bridge is out scene, and then the the rocket scene so, at the end. So when in the uh, bridge being out scene. Let me get this straight. Okay. So the nuclear <laughs> weapon actually does get launched, and Harry is kissing his wife as it goes off. So a nuclear goes off in the water, I think. Yes, yeah. yes. But he puts his hand o- over his eye because that's simply going to because they they said don't look because it's going to hurt your eyes, permanent uh, do permanent damage. My yeah. point being is. He's kissing his wife and covering his hand on his one side of his head for his eye as the nuclear weapon detonates. Like, as as if that, and that's just it. Like a nuclear weapon <laughs> just gonna, detonated. It's not going to cause any It's issues. not going to cause any, yeah. you know, it's off the coast, okay? It's absolutely fine. Don't worry, it's about a half mile out, it's fine. Everything's but fine. I love how he just sort of covers his eye like I would yeah, your on a not, sunny day. Your kid's not going to grow a fourth, le- a third leg out of his ear, like, don't worry. It's just fantastic. Um, oh, uh, one thing I forgot to mention, uh, underrated, sneaky good, sort of set the scene thing when they were on Terrorist Island, and they're recording this... It was it was basically one like one of those videos you would see from um, what's the terrorist group uh, from like ISIS where they get on it's like grainy camera footage yep right and this guy is like giving his speech to America and you see the low battery sign on the camcorder yes I thought that was a great scene just showing like how nervous everyone is around this Aziz <laughs> they didn't like him they should I don't know why they didn't kill that, why didn't they kill that guy he, he was hard to work for he was he was very he demanding. was very he was very, very hard tib- to work very tibs like very tibs like um, <laughs> camera. Other things here, just things from scrounging around the internet. So James Cameron, only sixty-six years old. Mm-hmm. James Cameron, if he and he, oh, he had, really, so he's directed Terminator, Aliens, Titanic, Avatar, True Lies. The last movie he directed was Avatar in two thousand nine. So he has directed nothing after the age of fifty-five. One of the one of the most iconic directors of our lifetimes. James Cameron has also been married five times in his life. Mm-hmm. So if there's any director that can maybe shed some light on marriage consternation, as we saw in this movie, it might be James Cameron. His, work more. But his current marriage after the first four failures is 20 years in now. He got married for the fifth time in 2000, and according to the internet, they're still married. So he figured something out on his, his fifth marriage. The other thing uh, from looking up various James Cameron facts, he likes to use a lot of the same actors in his movies. Bill Paxton has appeared in five James Cameron movies in his career. Which ones? Do you have them? You know, I don't. I have the window closed. I, but I think he was in. Uh, I think he was in Aliens and Terminator. Yes. And was I, he in Titanic? He was in Titanic. So he was in Titanic as part of the, Titanic. the beginning. What? I will never see Titanic. I, it's a, all right. I will say. Don't tell him what happens. I, yeah. Yeah. I I know what happens. I think I it's never. the single most overrated film yeah, of all time. I'll never see it. 
Wow. Number one, without a doubt, the most overrated film of all time. Wow. However, I can't believe you haven't seen it. No, I purposely didn't see it. That's fine. I mean, I was like yeah. four when it came out. Yeah, but like, I would I, not go the bo- see it. The boat sinks, Judd. Uh, I actually have seen more of the original black and white one than I have of the popular one directed by James so Bill, Cameron. Bill Paxton's anyway. character in Titanic, he was at the very beginning and the end. He was one of the guys that was like doing the, he was leading the deep dive charge to go oh, find right, Titanic. Right. Yeah. And he was talking to Rose as an old woman. That's right. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Wow. You haven't seen Titanic? Never seen Titanic. I feel like we should review Titanic. No, on I'm, not, I'm not watching Titanic. I, I it's way too long. I quit. I'll quit the show. I quit the show. No, I, I don't want to watch anything that long that's got, no. All right. Um, I like the actors and actresses. I just don't want to watch it. Yeah. True Lies was the first film with a production budget of over a hundred yeah, million dollars. You can tell it was filmed over a seven month <laughs> schedule. Okay, I have for you guys a timeline of the most expensive films of all time, like when that lead changed nice. hands. Okay, all throughout time. Love it. You want me to go through this? Yeah. yeah. All right. I like this. So again, this is like. The first most expensive movie was this, and then the next one was five years later. Yeah. So the early on in the 1920s, you had a bunch of – the first time movies cost over a million dollars was in the 20s. You had uh, Foolish Wives when Knighthood was in flower, and the Ten Commandments cost $1.5 million in 1923. Ben-Hur, mm-hmm. $4 million budget in 1925. Whoa. How about that? That's $4 pretty, million? That's, that's pretty nuts. Yep. And then, slightly edging it, 14 years later, the lead didn't change hands until 1939, Gone with the Wind. Yeah, Gone with the Wind was a biggie. A lot of... I'm going to skip some of the... That was a $4.25 million budget. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead here a little bit. There was a remake of the Ten Commandments in 1956 that was a $13 million budget. That was Heston, right? Yes. I think so. Yes. Then there was a remake of Ben-Hur in 1959 that was a $15 million budget. No new ideas in Hollywood. Skipping a few here. Cleopatra, 1963, was the first $30 million film. Towering Inferno has to sneak in there in the 70s, right? It did not break a record. Really? Superman in 1978 was the next record setter at $55 million for a budget. Christopher Reeve. Then we we wait 10 more years to break that record. Rambo 3, $60 million budget. (laughs) Really? Yep. Same, by the Rambo way, cost that much? Rambo 3, because they had already built up all this equity with the first two Rambo movies. Yeah. And they, it was just kind of gu- guaranteed that they were going to put butts in the seats. But that one in 1988 was tied at, it was a $58 million budget with Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, great movie. Really? <laughs> I would not have expected either of those that. two to have cost that much. Who Rambo. Framed Roger Rabbit was the most expensive movie of all time when it came out. Then in 1990, we had our first, uh, let's see here, we had uh, Total Recall and Die Hard 2 were both in the $60 million range. We saw Die Hard 2. That would definitely cost a lot of money to make. 1991, Terminator 2 was the first $90 million movie. T2, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then True Lies was the first $100 million movie in 1994. Okay. The lead has changed hands, it looks like, about 10 more times since 1994. I'll just fly through these. Okay. Waterworld. $172 $172 million, Mel Cost- Gibson. Costner, right? I haven't even heard of it. Titanic, $200 million. King Kong, $207 million, along with X-Men and Spider-Man Returns and Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, all up over $200 million. Then you had Spider-Man 3 and another Pirates of the Caribbean at two fifty and $300 million. And then in 2011, this is the most expensive movie ever made. Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides was a $378 million movie. Never seen it. Wow, I don't like Pirates. I don't do Pirates. 
I don't never seen it. Never. Amazing. So, uh, yeah, a lot, lot of. I suppose when you have a hundred million dollars to spend in nineteen ninety four, it's like, all right, let's get five great actors and <laughs> see here we can go. And um, write them all big storylines. Yeah, we'll give them. We'll give them each th- their own plot, basically. Also worth noting, this movie came out in nineteen ninety four. Here's a list of the highest grossing movies in nineteen ninety four. This is a great year for not necessarily like Academy Award movies, but just like pop culture movies. Yes, The Lion King. Was the number one grossing worldwide uh, movie seven hundred sixty three million dollars? Didn't see it. Oh my god! Have you not? Well, it doesn't surprise me. He doesn't have any kids, and he doesn't no, like he see, doesn't no, like youthful things in general. I'm not surprised. Wow, Titanic that... and Lion King. God, it's amazing. And ET. I've never seen it. I think you would enjoy ET more than the yeah, other. You ones. would enjoy ET. I was in eighth grade. Didn't have uh, kind of creepy. I don't. I don't, I don't yeah, I don't want to comment. Forrest Gump was the second highest grossing movie. Seen it. Great movie. Yep. Almost seven hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Too long, but. True, True Lies was the third highest grossing movie. Yep. The Mask with Jim Carrey grossed $350 million. Love never, that movie. Never saw it. Wow. You, did you miss out on Jim Carrey's 90s run? Ace Ventura, The Mask? Yeah, basically. Jeez. Dude. Yeah, I took the 90s off. Speed. I was drinking. Speed was the fifth highest grossing movie. Oh, now you're talking. Great movie. Now you're, now you're talking. Then I'll just fly. All of these <laughs> made between $200 and $300 million. The Flintstones, Dumb and Dumber. Great movie. Four Weddings and a Funeral. That was good. Interview with the Vampire. Didn't see it. And Clear and Present Danger action movie. We should put that one on the list at some point, too, with Harrison Ford. I think I've seen that one. I don't, I don't remember now. So so a lot of just big-time blockbusters. Point break? In 1994. Was that 1994? No, I was kidding. Uh, it was 1991. Okay. So, yeah. I, so. Feel, I feel like the 90s might be the last great decade for films. Well, did you see the latest? Was it Warner like, Brothers that announced that they're go. like all yeah. of the next big movies? HBO for Max. This, HBO Max. Yeah. They're not even going to go to. Well, they're going to be in theaters for like five minutes. Basically. Yeah, movie theaters are pissed about it. Yeah, well. Are they dead? They're, theaters? I, I'm really scared. Dude, I love movie Me theaters too, so much. Me too. Lots of people do. I just, I, with, with what's going on now and prices and stuff, I just, I'm curious. I hope not, but it might just be at this point, especially in the last year, like it's yeah. more economically efficient. These some of these movies have to get out. There's been a Bond movie in the can for like two years. Really? And it's like yeah. they don't want to release it to half empty theaters because they probably spent a hundred fifty, two hundred million dollars on producing that movie. Mm-hmm. So um all right. Definitive bet do you guys have anything else? I think we covered pretty much everything there. No, I think we're good. I okay. think uh, get the job up. Uh being in that being in that Elevator with that horse would be my nightmare. But the elevator, the elevator would so shut down. An animal there. Yeah. That's the thing is, there's no way I'd be cowering that, that, De- that could go. Would shut down. I would too. pull a Bill Paxton and, and piss myself. <laughs> Just run out. <laughs> I'd urinate my. Just you, run out. What are you most afraid would happen in the elevator with the that horse? That thing would kick me into the oblivion. Oh, the horse would crush or, you, or bite me, or do something horrible. I don't know. I don't like them. They, 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 have, they, the they, they don't go out of their way to bite. If you stand in front of them and don't mess with them, you're fine. Halfway up, it would kick them. And he would tumble through the glass to like his they, plummet to his death. They can smell fear, and they will yeah. smell the fear out of <laughs> you, man. They're, they're not lions, dude. They're not, I, oh, I'm going to eat my That horse would eat you. That horse would eat your head like dude, right off. Horses, by the way, are vegetarians. They eat grass, hay, and grains. So well, I don't have a lot of and meat Declans. on me. So and Declans. I think they'd kill me. And Declans. They enjoy a... Oh, and, and and the poor guy uh, trying to take a dump while that shooting yeah. was going on in the bathroom. <laughs> right. That was also pretty great. I thought he got okay. shot at first, but he he was in the stalls on the other side. Dude, and yeah. he, he showed great poise. He did. Great poise. I get a little nervous whenever the door, if I'm in an empty bathroom and like one person walks and I'm like, God dang it! Do you think that that they just 
basically on that film started to say, you know what we don't have? A shootout scene in a bathroom. bathroom. Let's yeah. find one. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's get you know it. No, we there. don't have a bridge blowing up. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's go get it. Let's go get it. All right. Definitive bad guy rankings. Uh, we need to figure this out. Are we, is it terrorist Aziz or is it Juno Skinner or both? I think it's both. I think you loop them in as both. Yeah. So terrorist Aziz and Juno Skinner. It's not going to be a high Eyes. ranking. Yep. You could terrorize me. I'd be all me. Right You'd want Juno to terrorize you? Yeah, okay Tia, Tia Carrera doesn't do that much for me. I, oh. I'm not going to give this one the high of uh, grade. I think it's near the bottom. All right, so our, our, here's our rankings to this point. The, the top bad guys we have rated are Hans Gruber from Die Hard, number one. Michael Myers from Halloween. We deviated to a, a scary movie. Cyrus the Virus from Con Air. Brad Wesley from Roadhouse. And Cobra Kai from Karate Kid are the top five. Middle of the pack, like right in the middle of the pack, just to give you guys kind of a, a range here. We've got... Colonel Stewart from Die Hard 2 and General Esperanza, so that tandem. That might be the tandem we're kind of looking at here. Hertz from Shoot 'em Up, Lord Humongous from Mad Max 2, Molaram from Indiana Jones, and the Albanian Traffickers from Taken. My gut instinct says it's kind of in that similar, it's like a terrorist pairing that's not really stealing much of the spotlight from uh, Die Hard 2. I I'm putting like, them in that range. I feel I'd like put they're them, below the Albanian people. Yeah, I'd, I'd put them very low. Like, I, I don't think... They they were there to serve a purpose for special effects. Mm-hmm. So if we went toward the bottom here... Let's see here. The bottom bottom is the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3, the muggers from Death Wish, the French drug lord from Bad Boys, yeah. Gans and Billy Bear from 48 Hours. A little bit further up. What about, like, Richie from Out for Justice? That's, fi- that's fine. Yeah. Somewhere in there. I'd put them... Right yeah. I, I just... They, they to me didn't leave a a impression at, at all because the budget for the film was so big that sure. the special effects left the impression to me. So, so that's we've got absolutely them sort funny. of fringe bottom ten, and they're just behind Chong yeah. Lee from Bloodsport. So right yep. in that, right yep. in that. I think that's, that's fair. Chong Lee. That's fair. All right, our one through ten rating system here. The only two perfect tens we have agreed on are Die Hard and Halloween. We've got Taken, John Wick, Commando. And Beverly Hills Cop, all at a nine or above. At the bottom of the list, Shoot 'em Up, Bloodsport, Mad Max 2, and Wanted are all below a four. Rambo 3 and Indiana Jones Temple of Doom are all below a five. And then a bunch in the middle. Mm-hmm. Judd, what's your one through ten score here for True Lies? So the film was way too long, mm-hmm. and and it lacked uh, believability to the point where it actually almost bugged me, okay? That's the bad part. The good part is I didn't get mad about its length because it was just so funny to see how, how they continued to keep trying to write <laughs> and blow things up. Yep. And I also, it it did not disappoint on on Harry's character one bit. Like yeah. Arnold was Arnold. And that's the most important thing to me. So I'm going. Well, before you give a score. Yeah. I have a question. So let's say, so this movie was two hours and 20 minutes. It had like two or three false endings, yep. right? Yeah, they just didn't care if it was If they came back to you and said, all right, we got to come up with another false ending. So now the now the daughter has been kidnapped and saved and he killed the terrorists. Yep. And we need another 20 minute, God. some sort of like a spinoff. We're going to three, we're going for three hours What's here, baby. The, is the next, is the next one that Tom Arnold has been a terrorist all along? And now he has to track that guy down? Or is it that Simon is actually not incompetent and he's the one that's That'd been be running the terrorist ring all along? Or or you need the, Simon's help. the daughter joins the family business now and she joins in to fight with okay. Harry and her mom. I don't know. But anyway, 
So trying to put all of the equation together and come out with the score, because Arnold is allowed to be himself, I'm going to give it a very solid seven. Okay. So there's a lot of flaws here, but my biggest thing was, Dex, it should have driven me crazy that the film didn't end, and I actually found it at some point in time just to be funny that they were like, no, we can't end it yet because we got to do this. We got to do yeah, that. So a, a very solid, I think, seven. All right, okay. Declan. So I was, I, I'll be honest. After finishing this movie, I was pretty down on it. I, I did not enjoy most of this movie when I, I was just so long. It was messy. Yep. I originally had three, and I think that okay. is now. But That's after right. talking, but I know after talking this out, with you guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna bump it up to a six. Oh, I'm whoa. gonna double it to a six. Oh, you're really because a six out of ten is still not a really good movie. Like I was really down on this, but it also I think it fits into the cheesy actionness. There is some great Arnold Schwarzenegger lines. Tom Arnold makes the film for me, so I enjoyed that part. There you go. So I, I will say a six out of ten. Now I'm I'm gonna rescind my original three ranking, my initial ranking. Sure. I'm going to go with a six. So I'm going to stick with my, I had eight written down. I'm sticking with an eight. This is just one of my favorite cheesy action movies. It doesn't try to be anything other than cheesy. It knows what it is. And, um, and I, I just like Arnold is full Arnold in this movie. You've got some great funny side characters. Probably didn't need like five false finishes to this movie, but I'm giving it an eight. And, uh, and that gives it a seven average score between the three of us, which puts it uh, right around, a little bit below average, so it's it's below Die Hard 2, it's below Lethal Weapon, it's below Casino Royale, Karate Kid. It's tied with Speed and just ahead of Con Air and Out for Justice. So it's right in there. I feel like Con Air needs to be way higher, and I don't know why we gave that a six, but here we are. Probably had some flaws. I guess. All right, we get to our uh, final stage here, which is picking next week's action movie. We go, uh, all three of us pick one, and then we have a listener submission for one, and we put it up for vote on my Twitter account, at Phil Mackey, for next week's. The listener submission for this week is Once Upon a Time in Mexico from Rick. Oh, all right, dude. I'm kind of Antonio that. Banderas and Johnny Depp. Once dude, Upon a It's just um, shooting things in Mexico. It's uh, Tarantino, right? No, Robert Rodriguez. Okay, I thought it was a Tarantino. Let me guess. Okay. It's about drugs. Yes. A lot of drugs are involved in this movie. A lot moment. of drugs are involved. I never would have guessed. Yep. Uh, Judd Zolgat, are you going to put Under Siege up? Again? You know what? You know what? I am I am going uh, uh, to call a different play at the line of scrimmage wow. this week, and I am going to put Tango and Cash. Oh. Tango and Cash okay. for almost, consideration. I saw this and thought about it, too. Bill Stallone. Yeah. Kurt Russell. Let's get back to Sly. Okay. okay. It's been a while for Sly. All right, Declan? All right, I'm going with goofy action here. Uh, back on brand a little bit. I'm going with Snakes on a Plane with Samuel oh L. Jackson. <laughs> I, oh, my I, God. Oh, my God. I think, Judd, have you seen Snakes on a Plane? Uh, you know, I've seen parts on cable, but okay. I've never I've never watched a close. Snakes on a Plane. Okay. Wow, dude. I love it. All right. I feel like Snakes on a plane. I, the movie I'm going to pick, I definitely want to win at some point. I don't think it's going to beat. I, I, You've been my, struggling this, lately, Matt. This will be another close. And we've had back-to-back just ridiculously close yeah. results. So, but but I want to throw there. There's a major one of the biggest blockbuster action stars ever. We haven't even nominated, and we've worth 35 into this. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. San Andreas yes. is my nomination. Yes. San Andreas is when the big one finally hits California. Yeah, dude. And I remember it's up this to movie. The Rock to it. save the world, or something like oh, that. Dude. <laughs> It's, Doesn't a, matter. it's an earthquake that you're going to feel in New York City okay. and Los Angeles. This is going to be. And it's The Rock. This is a hot Paul Giamatti. I lo- oh, dude. Hotly I love contested. San Andreas. 
So, all right. Once upon a time in Mexico, San Andreas, Tango. What's and our Cash time of films here? Um, What's our time of films? Let's so, see here. My, mine is like an hour and something. Once upon a time is one forty-three. So uh, actually, that's I thought that was longer, but it's not. Okay, so that's actually pretty enjoyable. San Andreas is one fifty. Oh, see, that's perfect. And Snakes on a Plane, I believe, is also like one forty, one thirty. Okay, see. So they're all kind is, of we're, in that wheelhouse. We're back, we're back we're, in our we're, time. We're zone. pulling it back. <laughs> yeah. We're pulling it back after our two hour, 20 minute experience. So. All right. So that's a wrap on Action Movie Rewind and also a wrap on Mackie and Judd for this week. So be sure to check out Vikings Ventline on Sunday on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. And we'll see you guys Monday. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 3. It was my first time traveling alone. Packed my car with hiking boots, a camera, and my dog, Randy. I don't know what I was searching for. Maybe it was something new with adventure. Maybe it was the idea of vacation I would never expect, filled with wildlife, national parks, rivers. Whatever it was I set out to find, it was all there and more. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.